Love is that whoever wins is going to be breaking a long NBA title drought. You know, the Suns and the Clippers have never won a championship. The Hawks haven't won since the 50s. The Bucks haven't won since the 70s. I think that is a really cool story. And that's our job as journalists to spin that and talk about why this is so exciting. Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. Now you can finally have the Apple product times the Apple guys. That's right, from AirPods to iPhones to MacBooks to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more. Now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Promo code podcast gets you 20% off. That's right, 20% off on any Apple item. Visit Opulent Inventory, Nash and Guardi, those are great guys on all social media platforms, and on Instagram. Now, let's head back to the show. back here for our week's episode the sebi podcast radio show is brought to you worldwide in 17 different platforms inside of our recording studios here in orlando myself my ride partner michael gray also in the east coast tri-state area mike pleasure to have you back on my brother yes sir yes sir all is well man it feels good feels good to be back it does, it does, and does indeed, and it does indeed there for sure. It's technically summertime. I know you're getting your uh, city boy going, <laughs> summer body, working out in the gym. Uh, I'm pretty sure you're getting back on that on oh, the way yeah. tonight. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. It's, it's that time of the year. Got to go outside, get that good vitamin D, get, get yourself right, health as well. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely getting there for sure. I, I, I know you're doing your thing. Well, I see you balling over there, doing your thing out there, enjoying that good Florida weather. I got to, got to, man. <laughs> got to enjoy some of the waters and the beach weather out here. Great show. Season three, episode 34 of our great show, Mike. It never ceases to amaze me how, how much we're so far on in some of these uh, episodes there for sure. Fun fill pack, pack action today. We've got a guest on season uh, on segment two today. Um, we'll go ahead and not disclose that yet. To a lot to talk to Mike, obviously the NBA playoffs, the Canadians uh, getting to their first Stanley Cup since 1993. Uh, the Olympics is upon us as well. It's tons of stuff to talk about. No, it definitely is. It's a great time for sports. and We're about to kick things back up. I know a lot of people are very excited for the Olympics this year. So, uh, you know, especially with the team, with the NBA teams that, you know, were finalized and announced and stuff like that. You know, um, so I, I, I'm, I'm excited for everything that's going on. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a hell of a time for sports. It's a hell of a time there for sure. Let's not waste any time, Mike, and get right to it. The NBA playoffs. Mm-hmm. We'll start off with what happened in the remainder of the conference finals, and then we'll transition to what we've seen in the conference finals itself. Game seven between the Nets and the Bucks. Now, we know that Harden was limped up, Kyrie Irving out for the re- remainder of the series, Kevin Durant. Um, the guy was virtually unguardable, unstoppable, and yet they fell short. Giannis himself in Game 7, he had 40 points, 13 rebounds, and 7 assists, and Kevin Durant didn't disappoint himself. 48 points again himself. Last three ball games, he was averaging 46, Mike, um, without the absence of Kyrie Irving and the limped-up uh, 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 James Harden. He didn't disappoint as well, but fell short with an air ball three. And then when we look at this, Mike, we, we see the pathway for the Bucks is served on a platter. Meanwhile, there's still some some answers that has to be questioned for the Nets as in terms of their health 
and, and for them to make another title run next season. But what are your thoughts about w- what the Nets did this year and, and all of the scrutiny that KD is getting for that air ball at the end of there? Yeah, KD is getting scrutiny for that air ball, and that's, and that's what sports has come to. It's a lot of microwave journalism. And when you have microwave journalism, you have people that take one little play and they and they decipher that and and exp- expound that to you know someone's entire you know circumference of, of of how how they played and stuff like that. That and that's not the case when you're talking about Kevin Durant and his Brooklyn Nets team. This Brooklyn Nets team was a resilient team all year long, battling through injuries no matter what. They never made excuses for themselves. Continued to play and continue man up mentality. As far as you know what what transpired, listen, man. As soon as uh, Kyrie Irving went down. And we all knew James Harden wasn't himself after the after the first twenty seconds into the series. This this wasn't the same. This wasn't the same Brooklyn team. This went from the Brooklyn team, especially in game after game four when Kyle went out to Milwaukee. You're, you're fully healthy. You're you're now the favorites, and you were you were expected to win. That's why game five, that game five, the KD, the performance that he put on was so special. But uh, in that game seven, what you saw was you know another outright a crazy outright performance from Kevin Durant. He just fell short. Because Milwaukee made timely baskets, Milwaukee got the rebounds they needed to make, and then they they were they were a better team at that point. But if you're the Brooklyn Nets moving forward, you have to run it back. You know, get every, get these guys healthy. You have a full off season. Kevin Durant's gonna play some Olympic basketball. I know he's been off for a couple of years, so he just back. He's just happy to get back hooping. But if you're the Brooklyn Nets, it's on for you. Fell short. You know, it happens. You know, injuries happen in the game. Milwaukee took advantage of it. Milwaukee was too good of a team this year. For you to for you to not be a hundred percent, and um, they they capitalized on their opportunities, and they got it done this year. So hats off to the Bucks, but the, but the Brooklyn Nets, you got to run it back next year, bring the big three back healthy, uh, for a full season, and uh, continue to build that camaraderie. And I expect them to be fine. Uh, but uh, you know, as far as the Bucks are concerned, they they definitely handled their business. But Brooklyn, run it back next year. The opposite side of the equation, you look at the Bucks always knocking on the door. They're looking for their first title since 1974, the days of Oscar Robinson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yes, Kareem played for the Bucks before he played for the Lakers. Most people don't know that. <laughs> and the days of 74. And it seems, Mike, their pathway to the finals is, is served on a platter. There's no LeBron James in front of you. There's no Kevin Durant, no Joel Embiid. There isn't any Steph Curry. No, no James <laughs> Harden as well. So, if you're Giannis, Mike, I think this is it. You're right. There's none of those players that you uh, that you mentioned on there. But they got a brother out there in Atlanta, but uh, you know, little little miniature light skinned brother by the name of Trey Young. Ooh, that brother's special. And uh, right now he's playing like a, a, a miniature version of Steph Curry, uh, with, with the way he's you know shooting, uh, knocking down shots, facilitating for others, uh, mastering in the pick and roll with with all of his players. I mean, he's just he's capitalizing opportunities for uh, for Atlanta Hawks right now. The Bucks right now, you're right, it is served on a silver platter. I feel like they felt that way coming into this game one uh, against Atlanta. And they handled business early, but I think they may have t- taken them a little bit to, uh, for granted. And Atlanta capitalized on it, and they woke the Bucks up at, at a pivotal time. And, um, you know, the Bucks are have the type of team that they're, they're too resilient. I expect them to bounce back and continue to win this series. Um, I don't think Atlanta poses enough of a threat to beat them in a seven-game series. So you're right, Milwaukee does have it a little bit more uh, handed to a platform because they dodged that Philly matchup. I feel like Philly would have been a much more tougher matchup for the Bucks than the Hawks are and are presented to them But over a seven-game series. But, but we're here right now, so um, I, I trust Milwaukee in the matchups to take advantage of what they need to take advantage of, especially Giannis getting to the paint. Atlanta has no option at all for Giannis in the paint. Speaking of Atlanta and speaking of the Philadelphia 76ers, let's revisit what happened in Game 7 at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. Mm. I want you to take this into perspective, Mike. What the Hawks did was unprecedented. They went to the Wells Fargo Center where the Sixers only lost about six games all year at home. They won three times in that building in in, in the postseason. Think about that. They won in Game 1. They they I don't know how they capitalized in one game five when the Sixers blew a 26-point edge. And then they went in game seven and, of course, won that ball game. So kudos to Nate McMillan, who I don't know why he's still an interim. And also Trey Young, (laughs) Herter stepped up huge in game seven. Trey Young had a rather pedestrian ball game, but Kevin Herter, his 27 points, Mm -hmm. why? They won that ball game, but I want to focus on Philadelphia, Mike, because we've been talking about this for a while, and I know I've posed that threat as, as well. I've talked about 
my unlikeness for Mr. Ben Simmons. And and I know this guy very well because he grew up, played high school ball here in the Orlando area. And um, and I said that I, I thought he was overrated. I did. I, I thought he was an overrated ball player. Great on defense. Excellent passer. Great court vision. We're not going to deny that. But in today's, in the modern era, you got to be able to at least shoot. You got to be able to at least shoot around the 15 to eight, eight, 18 foot area. And if you can't, you got to extend that to the three-point line. Well, he has neither, Mike. And I've made this comparison and said that him and Embiid cannot coexist with each other. I don't think they can play. And after what I we just saw in, in Philadelphia, one thing I know about Philadelphia, Mike, is the city of Philadelphia, they, they don't forgive easily. The, the city of Philadelphia will never forget what Ben Simmons and that playoff series against the Hawks, what he did to them. This guy, Mike, would be around the rim and not even look to attempt to make some jump shots. It's one thing, Mike, where you can't shoot the perimeter jump shots and 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 stuff, but at least attack and take it to the basket. You're about six foot ten with a seven foot six wingspan, able to get to the rim, very athletic. You're able to post up uh, guys like Trey Young. You can't tell me you don't know how to post up Trey Young. Uh, guys like uh, um, Kevin Herter being able to post up guys like Bogdanovich. And you look at Ben Simmons, he wasn't even doing that. So you you pose yourself this question. Philadelphia will, they they have to trade Ben Simmons, Mike. There, there's no if, answer, but I would be shocked if the Sixers still had Ben Simmons to begin the season next year because uh, it, it, they, they're not going to forget that. They're not going to forget that at all. The city for Philadelphia would not forgive that. And I think Daryl Marley and also Doc Rivers knows. I think there has to be a meeting. If 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 Ben Simmons is still on that roster, he cannot be the point guard, Mike. There has to be a move in Philadelphia, and I think it starts from management. Well, I, well, I, well, I, well, I'll say this about the Ben Simmons situation. Uh, Philadelphia didn't capitalize on the opportunities of putting the requisite shooters around him for uh, consistent shooters. Now, now you you had you had guys like Steph Curry, of course, which which is a prominent piece. But outside of Steph Curry, you had a Danny Green, you had a Frank Corkmiles. Danny Green is on the latter part of his career. Frank Corkmiles is not enough of a consistent shooter to uh, you know can be coming off your bench and to be relied upon in in crucial playoff moments. If if you look at Philadelphia, they should take a page out. They should have taken over the years. They should have taken a page out of the Milwaukee Bucks book. And put a, a consistent amount of shooters around Giannis. Giannis has, you know, guys like Chris Middleton, obviously, Drew Holiday, who they just signed, PJ Tucker, Paul Connaughton, Brent Forbes, guys like this, like knockdown shooters all around him. You utilize the 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 skills of the player that you have. If you know you you have a player in Ben Simmons who plays as a, as a, as a frantic pace to the to, to the rim, attacking the rim, nobody can stop him. Uh, he he doesn't really have an outside game or a mid range game at all. So what do you do? You put shooters around him. That's that's the type of that, that that's gonna not only open up the lane for him, but it's also gonna uh, suck the defense in, and they're gonna have to make a decision. What they what you have in Philly is you have a lack of consistent shooting, and you have you know competent three point shooters, but they're not consistent sh- shooters that can come through for you in the clutch and crucial moments and b- pivotal playoff games. And you saw that you know Danny Green got hurt, and that that was huge for them as well on both sides of the ball. But like I like I said, he he's not he's at the latter part of his career, so. Making making sure that Ben Simmons had the right pieces around, right shooters around him, along with the NB, was always the, the the recipe for success for the Philadelphia 76ers. They failed to consistently do that throughout these few years, while Embiid and Simmons were together and at at st- st- starting to come together in their form. Now it's to the point where if you're not going to put those shooters around him, yes, you need to trade Ben Simmons. But Ben Simmons has always had success, especially early on when they you know when they finally got healthy in the Embiid and Simmons era when they had consistent shooters around him and he was able to, to attack the basket and continue to go out. And now in the playoffs, he's hesitant to do that because they collapse on the shooters. The shooters are not knocking down shots in the playoffs consistently. So if they if they were to have knockdown shooters, if you were to put Ben Simmons on the Warriors or something like that, where you have a Steph, a Clay, or something like that, and they, you have knockdown shooters all around, oh, Ben Simmons would thrive in that because you couldn't stop him to the basket. Look at what Giannis is doing right now. Giannis is kicking out the shooters, but he's still getting his 40 points because you can't stop him getting to the rim. Ben Simmons' confidence is lost right now. And all this media uh, scrutiny he's getting his way, or every time he gets into the playoffs, his confidence is shot, and you can see it on the court, and you hear about it in the offseason. You know, you know, so, so if you continuously put the right pieces around him, 
then his confidence will pick up and you'll start to see a dominant player that everybody came into the league expecting him to be. But right now, his confidence is shot. You're right. It might be it might be slow for him in Philly, especially if they don't put those pieces around him. And Philly might might be you know done with him right now. He might just need a change of scenery at this point in his career. So I I don't feel like Ben Simmons is done. I feel like if you put the right pieces around him and understand that this is the player that he is, and work and work around that, then that that'll be the best version of success for him. But you know, right? I, I can't really blame Ben Simmons off of Philly's troubles. Philly had a lot. Philly had a lot of uh, mishaps. They, they, they all around the board. Tobias Harris was not was was a no show, especially in those last three games in crucial moments. It was it was a lot. Doc Rivers not not being able to make adjustments on the fly got thoroughly outcoached by Nick McMillan. It was it was a huge piece, uh, more so than just Ben Simmons on why Philly uh, lost that series to Atlanta. Yep, definitely there for sure. And Ben Simmons, his confidence is fractured, Mike. It, it's it's, it's shook. It shook. Right I, I agree with you with that and, and agreed because Tobias was a no-show in this series. So we'll see what adjustments <clears throat> that they make this offseason to bolster this Philadelphia roster. The name Kyle Lowry, I mentioned a lot. I think that's the guy that they're going to potentially look out to. We talked about the Atlanta Hawks. Let's revisit that and talk about what they yep. did in their conference finals. Oh, yeah. Young, like This guy is special. They say <laughs> stars are born in the postseason, right? And in case most people didn't know and watch the NBA in a regular season, I think Trey Young has caught the attention of the national audience now. He's a household name, Mike. He is a house. The things he did in Madison Square Garden. So the things he did down in Atlanta and then taking his talents up to the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. And then now in Milwaukee in game one, I want you to put this into perspective, right? Mike, his first conference finals, He's on a list with LeBron James and Kobe Bryant as in game ones, the only players to score 45 and 10 plus assists in their first ever career conference finals. Kobe did it in 01. LeBron James did that in 07 against the Detroit Pistons. Remember Absolutely. Alice Barbin Hills. Well, you add Trey Young's name to that because the performance he had on Wednesday night was, was just magnificent, Mike. He had 30 through halftime. And then in the second half, he had about 12 in the third quarter. And they just, I mean, he put on a show. This guy getting whatever he wants from and one uh, hot sauce. <laughs> he looked like hot sauce out there throwing the ball out the backboard to John Collins. <laughs> being able to manipulate and be deceptive with the screens and, and, not, and not even have, and we're talking about an all-defensive player, not even oh, able yeah. to contain him having time to shimmy and and shoot. I thought that was disrespectful, Mike. I, I thought that was disrespectful. Here's, here's, here's the reason why. That, that's disrespectful, Mike. No, listen, listen. The, the reason is, it is because you look at Steph, and I've always compared – I don't – it's unfair to compare Trey Young to Steph, but their games are really similar. Their games are significantly similar. So if you, if you want to say that's baby Steph 2.0, sure, I won't debate that with you, but I, I think it's unfair to Steph to say that, but – when Steph shoots the three and makes it, notice that he shimmies and he starts dancing after he hits the three. Trey Young, this guy, he'll nutmeg a grown man. He'll shimmy on you before he shoots the ball and then hit it. I mean, uh, this generation, Mike, with, with, with Booker and Morant, these guys are heartless. Like, uh, this is this stuff is just incredible. And you look at a guy in P.J. Tucker who's got kids so guys like Chris Middleton, who are vets in the season, they got to go home and look at highlights on SportsCenter Top 10 every day and look at a young 20. I, I thought this reminded me of what AI did in 01 in the, in the finals in game one. He he scored 48, much like Trey Young did in that game one when he stepped over Ty Lue. It This was just impressive, Mike. This was impressive. I think the Hawks. Much like they did. they This team is road warriors, Mike. I want you to take this into perspective. They have won six road games already. They won game one against the Knicks in Madison Square Garden. They won game one at the Wells Fargo Center. And last Wednesday, they did that again in the Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee. So this isn't a team that's scared to go into your building and beat you because they're playing with supreme confidence. John mm -hmm. Collins has been a demon on the glass as well as Capella. And they've got guys that can shoot it out there and lights out like Herter and also Bogdanovich, Gallinari, and Lou Williams are steady vets. This is a quality team, and they're well-coached. 
I don't think this is a team that the Bucks should take light, lightly. And then you have a guy in Trey Young, Mike. Uh, this this guy in Trey Young, our eyes. And if he were to figure out some way, I've got the Bucks winning the series. But if he were to figure out some way to get the Hawks into the postseason, I, I think Luca, you might have to step aside. This might be probably the the, the next great young point guard of this generation. No, definitely for sure. And and, and in order for Orlando to to have a shot in the series, they have to use the same formula that they used against the Philadelphia 76ers. And already they're on to a hot start. You had to steal one of these first two home games, uh, secure at least one of the home games of, in your home building, come come back to Philly 2-2, and then, and then, and then, and then we'll go from there. That's your, that's your best bet if you're the Atlanta Hawks. So they're off to a great start right now so far. But um, you're right, man. This is a resilient bunch, and they got so much confidence and so much sway. When you, when you talk about you know how they played and stuff like that with the with the the, the pass off the backboard from Trey Young. That's just in game confidence. And when you're hooping, sometimes you're just you're just on a level where you can you can do things like that. And the, that's not the first time we've seen that from Trey Young with the with the uh, off the backboard pass to John Collins. You know they've done that a few times this year, so they have some in game reps doing that. And, and when it, when it comes to that shimmy that he did a couple plays later, listen that that that's just a test to when you're hooping and you're balling and you're at a certain level. Sometimes you do things. That like was that. a heat just, check, Mike. That was a heat check. Uh-huh. You're, you're, that was a heat. You're just in rhythm, man. And I'm looking. I'm when I'm looking at that shot after Trey shot the, uh, shot shot that ball after he did the shimmy. I'm looking straight at the net because I need this ball to touch nothing but net after you do something like that. And that's exactly what it did. So I was like, man, that's that that that's not that's, that's, that's not tough. Just a shot. <laughs> that's not just a shot. That's a message sent to the Bucks. Like we're here. We're not just here to oh oh be be that team that you can just coast to the finals with. No, we're here. You're going to have to work for this championship. And you know, as far as you know, them having kids and. The kids going to see that. So what? At the end of the day, if you Drew Holiday, if you PJ Tucker, if you anybody guarding Trey Young, go out there and do something about it. This is the, the you're 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 four games away from an NBA Finals. If you if you want Trey Young to stop shimmying, if you want to get him, force him, force him, uh, get physical with him, get get all up in his mugs, stop stopping him from uh knocking down shots and things like that. Get him away out of that pick and roll, master that. Uh, you know, g- g- knock those floaters down and stuff like that. This is basketball. We got a trip to the NBA Finals on the line. That that that's how this works. So you know, the Bucks, the Bucks definitely got their wake up call. I feel like they had they 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 came out with the right mindset, took advantage early, got that big lead, and I feel like they got comfortable. And then getting comfortable, what they did is they allowed Atlanta to get hot. And once Atlanta got a rhythm with all their role players, Gallinari, Capella was out there a beast on the boards at times. They got so many guys. Kevin Hurd, of course. Don Collins was hitting timely buckets. This is a young team with a lot of swag and Trey and the, the, the way the way they're uh, they're executing on the offensive end, uh, defensive end, and making timely stops. Solomon Hill was key yesterday on Chris Middleton. I think that's a matchup that people need to watch out for because Chris Middleton struggled. <coughs> excuse me, from the field yesterday, and a lot of it had to do when I was watching the game had to do, especially in the second half, with Solomon Hill. That matchup with that length and that that veteran experience uh, can definitely give Chris Middleton some troubles in this series. But um, no, nah, no, nah, Atlanta definitely woke the Bucks up. I'm not. Wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks obviously win Game Two, but uh, yeah, no, nah, Atlanta's here. Atlanta's here. They got the confidence and the swag, and they're playing with house money and they're playing free. And you're seeing it right now. Supreme, like you said, supreme confidence. Yep. And I'll say this. And for the Bucks, Mike, moving on forward, the only way the Bucks do not make the finals is because of Boonozer. I think Game Two is a legacy game. It's a legacy for Boonozer. It's a legacy game for Giannis. I'm still baffled. Time coach of the year, once with Atlanta and once with Milwaukee, and he continuously gets out coached. The only way the Bucks do not make the playoffs, Mike, uh, finals, excuse me, is if Boonhoser gets out coached. And thus far in game one, he got out coached. There's a few adjustments he's got to make. Brooke Lopez cannot play in this series, Mike. Trey Young will eat him alive in that high pick and roll. Bobby Portis cannot play in this series. The only way the Bucks have a chance is Giannis has got to play. They got to go small. Giannis has got to play a five because that gives you the, the the foot speed versatility to switch everything. If Giannis does not do that and, and, and Budenoser does not make that adjustment, Trey Young will have a field day there for sure. Let's go ahead to the Western Conference side of the equation. We know what the uh, Suns represent, Mike. <clears throat> Nine in a row. If I were to tell you they've been the most impressive, in fact, they were, they've been the best team in the postseason. Nine straight wins before last night's loss, we understand. They're only third loss the entire postseason, so they've been extremely dominant. In fact, Mike, 
and almost about 12, uh, 10 of those wins, they've blown out teams by double digits. The, the Suns have been virtually a dominant. They've been even more impressive on the defensive end. That That's where I've been more impressed about this Suns team there as well. The Clippers earning their first trip to the conference finals, something that Bob McAdoo couldn't do, something that Chris Paul in the Lob City couldn't do, something that Jerry West and some of the great Clippers in the past couldn't do. He has done that. And Paul George has been the catalyst as to why. Kawhi Leonard is still injured. We'll see. The status remains to be seen. Chris Paul entered last night. Thus far in this series, Mike, I've been impressed with these young sons. You've seen where Chris Paul hasn't been playing in the first two ball games, but that leadership aspect, it, it, it has trickled down to all of the players. DeAndre Ayton, boy, is he having a postseason. He's having a come-out party, Mike. DeAndre Ayton, defensively, being a rim protector, offensively, being able to dominate the glass and also um, being able to uh, score around the rim. And then Booker. I mean, this guy, he's, I, I don't know. I'm in lost for words, Mike. This guy is impressive. What I saw in game one, he did something I didn't think he, he could do. I didn't think he could. I knew he could score. He's, he's, he's a gifted scorer. He can score with the best of them. But I, the way that he orchestrated the offense, making sure that he get other teammates involved with the absence of Chris Paul, and then also being able to kick out and get other guys in a rhythm involved, like Bridges, like guys like Cam Johnson, guys like Cameron Payne stepping up. I didn't think he could do that, and and he did that. And it's 2-1 now. Kudos to the Clippers. They stepped up huge last night. Poor shooting from Booker and, and, and CP. But um, thus far in through three games, Mike, what have you noticed? What I've noticed is that this, these are the two, the, right now the two clear-cut best teams in the West. And their their physicality. You, you, I've seen this game. The game one was a feel me out game. Usually in game ones, especially coming off two emotional series, game one is always a feel me out game. You saw how high scoring game one was. You know, just just threes flying all over the place. It, it was a very uh, high scoring ball game. And the, they, they were the Clippers and the Suns were matching up with each other, bucket for bucket, until the Suns broke away in the fourth quarter. And they just started knocking down more. And then the you know Clippers came back a little bit, but. It was it was definitely a tight ball game back and forth but there. But what I noticed in the last two games is the defensive prowess of both teams starting to step up tremendously. This has turned into a defensive series overnight over these last two games. I mean, just physicality across the board, uh, foul, foul, hard fouls. Um, what, what, one thing I've noticed is that you know Tyron Lue has made some necessary adjustments from game one. One of his biggest adjustments is that is guy Patrick. can coach his butt off, Mike. Man, I, I want to give some kudos you, to 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 Ty Lue because this is a guy, Mike. He's twelve and one in elimination games. So when his team is facing adversity, he plays his best. He coaches his best. And one thing about him, he makes adjustments. I I haven't seen a guy lately, uh, maybe Popovich, maybe Phil, but that guy can coach his butt off. He, he he's, he's impressive, Mike. Yeah, no, Ty Lue's very impressive. And one of the biggest adjustments he made after game one was he put Patrick Beverly on Devin Booker. And he's been he's, he's been in his hip pocket. Patrick Beverly has been a pest on Booker uh, these last two games. He's been physical with him. He's matched him. He's uh he's picked him up in the pick and roll, fighting over screens, and really just getting just getting physical with him and, and altering altering his uh his, his shot selections. You're not gonna outright stop him, but you can make it physical and tough for him and knock him off his spots. And that's exactly what Beverly is doing. His presence is powerful on this on this team. <clears throat> and another thing that he's done is he's allowed Reggie Jackson to just be Reggie Jackson. Just go out there and get a bucket and give him the confidence and the freedom to take the shots that he needs to get to his spots. And you're seeing it's almost like the how they it's similar how they how Tyron Lewis is using Reggie Jackson right now. It's similar to how he used Kyrie Irving in that championship run with the Cleveland Cavaliers back in 2016. You know, just giving him the freedom to just go out there, get a bucket, create when you need to create, but get to your spats and do your thing. And uh, Reggie Jackson is having a tremendous postseason. Yeah. He, he's, he just continues to get better and better. Paul George, I was telling you, man, Paul George can play some point guard, can he, Savvy? Paul he George can. can play some point guard. He, he He's a rhythm player. Get him in the flow of the offense. Let him get some spats. Let him get to the basket, drive, kick out. They have too many shooters. When, when Paul George is getting to the basket, this Clippers team is too deep from the outside. Uh, not to be successful. And this is usually around the time, and we've seen this a trend in the playoffs. When they get that first home win in the series, uh, back in their crowd, this is the time of the series that they usually start to catch their rhythm in the series and start to fill a team out and start to really impose their will. And that's what I'm starting to see right now. I know the Suns are up 2-1, 
But I'm starting to see, after, especially after the last couple games, the Clippers are put in, uh, imposing their will. Because uh, you can make the case the Clippers could easily be up 2-1 right now. You know, that, that game, too, was so back and forth and so tight, especially down the stretch. You know, so it, it's it's such a, a tight series. I know Phoenix is up 2-1 right now, but I'm starting to see the momentum shift over to L.A. And uh, this is a critical game for if they can find a way to get this win, they are right in the driver's seat. And this is this is still a series, uh, assuming. So right now I'm starting to see that Clippers momentum. Things to watch out for. Game four set to be Saturday night. Things to watch out for. Next up, our featured guest. Do not go anywhere. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Only heard here on WNSD Radio. We are back here on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show for our second segment here today. Proud and presented by Opulent Inventory. Opulent Inventory for all your Apple products for the Apple product of your dreams. Promo code podcast gets you 20% off item or choice. Our next guest here today is a third-generation entrepreneur and the founder of last night's game. Also, that empowers women and other readers to have an advantage to know about sports, even though they don't know about them, of their likeness. Amy Bachan is with us. Amy, pleasure to have you on. Good morning. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Thanks for having you on there as well. So you come from a very intriguing background from your upbringings and and, and, and how you've transitioned from the uh, news-based area towards your brand of business now being a boss woman should i say in the world of sports kind of share with us that story and how that came along so last night's game was really inspired by my time in baseball so i started as an intern for the arizona diamondbacks in the community relations department and i was at a game with one of my girlfriends and the guys were coming off the field and she said well why are they running off the field and i said well they have three outs and she said what's an out and I thought to myself, being a woman in business, it's such an advantage to know just a little bit about sports. You don't have to know everything. We don't have to dive into the 1976 Red Sox. That's not important to be in that in depth. But there's so many interesting stories around the world of sports. And that just helps you join in that conversation. You know, no, so many industries are male dominated that this is such an advantage as a woman to just know a little bit about what's happening in the world of sports. And so I had this idea of let's start this. Let's start this sharing those stories around sports. Nothing to do with the box score. You know, that stuff really isn't isn't conversational when it comes to a, a general audience. But sharing those stories around sports and what's happening in the world. And um, as I mentioned, I was an intern. And so I was working about 80 hours a week. And, and my brother, who is the reason I know so much about sports, was still in high school. And so when I came to him with this idea, he said, um, oh, that's great, but uh, when are we gonna have time to do this? And the 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 Wix and the Squarespace of the world to create websites and send out email blasts, that wasn't a thing at that point. So about 14 years later, when I was moving back to the US from Singapore, it was right between Thanksgiving, right before Thanksgiving, and I knew that no one was hiring between Thanksgiving and New Year's. So I sort of took this idea and said, hey, what do you think about revisiting this idea and making this come to fruition? And so we started off, you know, I always say like, if you start your business and it looks really perfect and it's pretty, then you've started too late. And so we started kind of with this ugly baby that we would send out via a, a Gmail account with a link to a website. And we grew from there into what we are now. So it's, uh, we have a podcast. And we have a tri-weekly e-newsletter, as well as we, we generate a lot of content uh, requested by our, our readers and our listeners on our website at lastnightsgame.com. That's awesome. That's awesome. I noticed that you're also a recent graduate of Notre Dame uh, to mm -hmm. go along with uh, the little ones that you have going on. Talk to us a little bit 
at being able to not only be a uh, be a boss woman in terms of you know being the head of the operation for last night's game but also dabbling um being an NBA grad at Notre Dame and 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 for on and so forth well you know it's it's a crazy idea i had a long time ago i always wanted to get my mba i'm a journalism major and in my undergrad and you know as i've i've gone through my career i've learned that that business sense and sort of that business i i had the business acumen if you will but i didn't have the the scholarly side of it. So I really always wanted to go back and, and get my get an MBA. And uh, a, a while back, I was talking to someone about it. And she said, you need to go back while your child is small and not wait until they're older, because then you're missing soccer games and birthday parties. They know you're gone. They understand the days of the weeks. They know how long you're gone for, because I uh, I traveled out of state for, for my MBA. And so that's, that's why I decided our, my son was one and a half. Uh, when I started my MBA program with Notre Dame, uh, they're based in Chicago, this program. And awesome. so I just sort of, I, I don't know, it was a crazy idea. My husband said, I support you, just do it. And so, uh, as well as my brother, who I work with uh, part-time, and he he was like, okay, I've got you too. So we all just somehow put this crazy idea of 18 months of uh, an MBA in there. And I traveled every other weekend, every other week for that. And so... It was a lot, and I, I'm a, I've, I've been on, I've been graduated or been fully done for about a week and a half. So yet, because I'm still catching up from all the things that I haven't had a chance to do, and so uh, it, it's great though. I'm really, really, very, very glad I did it. I think I learned a lot that benefited my business. I've met a lot of people who have helped me see a broader perspective on things, and I, I truly think that I've met some of the most incredible people, and that's that's one thing I love about. Notre Dame is the quality of people is just different. It, it attracts a different kind of person. And it was very collaborative. It taught me a lot about teamwork, which I was terrified about group work and teamwork going into an MBA program because we all have, um, we all have bad experiences with teamwork. So that is uh, one thing that I was scared about, but uh, definitely worked out in my favor. And I really am glad I did it and glad that I survived and, and, and can say I've, I've made it on the other end. A fighting Irish surviving MBA. That's 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 the telling <laughs> story. Go ahead, Mike. No, no, definitely for sure, Amy. Amy, uh, you you said you said that uh, you know it's, it's so many stories around sports that you know pe- people don't get to see and stuff like that. It's it's it's, it's so so many. What's uh the the most recent story that 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 really stuck out to you that that you you've had the pleasure of you know reading up on? Like, wow, that's amazing. You know, I I think there's so many, and I would say the one. I was I was listening to something yesterday. We were talking a lot about how uh, Tom Brady, you know, when he played for the Patriots, he was kind of locked down. We had no idea that Tom Brady actually had a, a personality, if you will. And you're seeing that peak out now. I love that you're seeing him on Twitter and you're seeing him do uh, the match golf tournaments. He was on James Corden this week. And I think it's really cool that, that social media and just the sheer uh, exposure we have to our athletes gives us a chance to realize they're also human. And I think that's the thing that I've learned, uh, I learned working in, in baseball is the guys who run on the field, they're also dads, they're brothers, they're sons. And life is happening just like you and I have it, but they don't have a chance to call into work and say, I can't make it today. My kid's sick or my mom is ill in the hospital. And so they're still just an everyday person like you and I, but they have this platform and so many of them use it for such a greater cause. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I really love. I, I personally like the, the, the good guy, the good athlete stories, the people who are using this platform to do great things with it. And so we really try to, when we look at news, we try to find the positive stories on those two because I think that's really something people are looking for. And we try to find the fun things about it. You know, the, the Tour de France starts tomorrow. And we talk a lot about it in our in our story we just did about that. You know, the fact that back until the 1960s, the writers would drink alcohol to numb the pain. Uh, it's clearly since been banned because it's a stimulant. But some of those things that are these neat little stories about that you might even talk about while you're out riding your bike, or you might talk about I don't know when you're at the bar tonight that you might mention that that hey the bikers in Tour de France used to drink. And it's kind of I I always look for those angles on stories that are positive or are interesting. You know, I think there's always, there's always some spit on that. I mean, I love the, the Ted Lasso 
Jason Sudeikis character introducing the U.S. women's national soccer team roster. I think mm. those kinds of things are just what they they connect people because someone may not know anything or care anything about the U.S. women's national team, but they've seen Ted Lasso or you know those kinds of things. So I, I really like to try to find that spin to it and and find those stories. But I, I really love seeing that 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 human side of of things and. That's what I really, I think, as a whole, that's what we really look for. And that's what I really love about um, the exposure we're getting. And go back to Tom Brady. He's, you know, we, one can argue, you guys are Florida guys. You know, he's the greatest of all time. And, but he's also a dad and a, and a human and who says things on Twitter. So, I, you know, it's kind of one of those things that I really enjoy that part of it. When you think about journalism from a mainstream and an underground perspective, what are some things, when you, when you talk about you look for the positives and things like that, what are some things you dislike from what you see as far as somebody with the way these narratives and some of these stories are put out there about these athletes on both sides, on the mainstream and the underground level? You know, I think that it's it's challenging because I, I do think that they they have a platform. They are expected to be this this role model, right? And I mean, Charles Barkley was famous for saying, I don't want to be a role model. But I think that <laughs> <That's funny>. <laughs> <laughs> they have they have this platform, right? And so I think they're held to a different standard. So I think that you know it's 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 challenging um, from that perspective of they're allowed to do wrong, right? And they're allowed to do wrong, but anything they do from a speeding ticket to whatever that losing their dog might be criticized in a different perspective. And there's pluses and minuses to that, right? That's you get paid a lot of money to do what you do and are expected to perform on the court, but also be an upstanding uh, citizen. You know, the, I think that we, we here's one story that I, I, I um, Carl Nassim coming out, being coming out as the first active gay NFL player this week. I, I struggle with reporting on those things because I wish they weren't news. And I think right. that's where, you know, um, Scott, my brother, who I, I, I work with, and he's really the sports, the sports, super sports brain. But we have this conversation all the time as there's some things like that where I hate reporting on something like that because we shouldn't have to. It shouldn't be such this breaking news story that pops up on my phone, but it's going to be for a while. And I love that he's using that platform to raise awareness and raise visibility. So those children who are watching him feel like they have someone to follow and we, we can't be what we can't see. And so I love that he's used that platform for that perspective. But, you know, there's that that, that tug as, as we probably all have it as we report news is I wish some of these things, it wasn't something I'm going, okay, we got to hustle. This is breaking news type of thing because I wish it wasn't. Right. Right. Definitely there for sure. One thing we learn about journalism is you always have to find angles and different stories to things, even though that they already have stories that are made in them. So that's mm -hmm. a that's an excellent trait to have. Well, <clears throat> let's talk about current stories that's been going on. Obviously, the conference finals uh, for both sides of conferences, the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. Uh, thus far, um, from both respective conferences, the Hawks and the Bucks, um, the Suns and Clippers, what have you noticed so far and what stood out to you? You know what I really love about these NBA or playoffs is, you know, I, they may not be getting the eyeballs because there's not a LeBron James or a Lakers in here. But what I love is that whoever wins is going to be breaking a long NBA title drought. You know, the Suns and the Clippers have never won a championship. The Hawks haven't won since the 50s. The Bucks haven't won since the 70s. I think that is a really cool story. And that's our job as journalists to spin that and talk about why this is so exciting. Um, you know, there's things like we talk about Devin Booker, he is uh, Kendall Jenner's um, boyfriend. And so that, that's our spin on our perspective because that is the what uh, what really sticks to those who watch pop culture and mm -hmm. who are, are reading people.com. And so we try to find those spins to, to tie that in. But um, I, I love that there's this this hunger from all of these teams that you're not, you're, you have an underdog and you don't, but Truly, they're all underdogs in their own right because this is something that they haven't achieved in a really, really long time. Mm, interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah, when when you think about when you think about these two sides, and you think about the fact that ne like ne like like you said, neither one of these teams, the whole when you think about the Hawks, you know, the Clippers, the Suns, the, these aren't teams that we frequently seen in this in this point point of their um of basketball in the conference finals on their way to the finals. 
like are we we are, do you feel like we're stepping into that new era new age of basketball where they, where these young stars are starting to take over and it is is their time I I like it. I I I I don't disagree with that. I think that that's a beautiful thing and you know we'll we'll talk a little later about the Olympics too. You're seeing this this it's that time where everyone's sort of turning over and I'm seeing players like Jason Kidd who I watched uh as a younger younger fan turn into head coaches. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's really a neat thing to see that those who have retired are still in the game and are teaching. And yes, I think that there is a, is a, this is an interesting turning point where, you know, LeBron James and Tom Brady aren't going to last forever. So you're seeing these names start to come up and I, I, I love to see that. And I think it's really been, it's been great. It's been great for us to teach, uh, teach our followers about new players. And, you know, like I said, we don't do that with the, the box score, but we talk about it in, you know, we have a chance, whatever, they have a birthday to celebrate and dive into some of those neat points about it. Um, Devin Booker is an ambassador for the Special Olympics. So it's tying in those stories that they're able to be introduced to new athletes and, and things like the the State Farm commercials with Chris Paul. Those the, All those things help raise the visibility of these athletes and help those who don't watch ESPN every single day or don't care to watch ESPN every day recognize these athletes and ushering in names that will then become household names. Mm-hmm. That's, that's awesome. That's great. Um, the Olympics start <clears throat> the end of July, uh, going through the first week, uh, should I say the second week of August. That's going to be taking place in Tokyo. Now, key aspect in this, this was supposed to be last year, the COVID-19 and pandemic and everything that was going on. It's been postponed and dated back to this year. So uh, for these athletes, um, we understand the U.S., probably goes out with almost 300 athletes um, to represent itself. But um, so what are some of the key ones that you're looking at to you've got your Simone Biles, you've got obviously guys like Kevin Durant for the men's basketball team. You've got Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart for the women's team. Uh, what are you most looking forward to? I, I keep joking that at some point Simone Biles is just going to win the Olympics as a whole because I, I don't think besides maybe basketball, that's probably something only thing she can't do. She's just maybe just because she's tiny. And but, you know, it's it's fantastic. And I mean, there's something really great about being an American and having pride to watch this this giant team roll out. And um, I, I think Simone Biles is obviously the, the the person to keep an eye on. I love Katie Ledecky and she's swimming in four freestyle events. She's a veteran. There are only really two or three play, uh, swimmers on the U.S. women's swim team that have veteran experience. So that's a fun part about Katie Ledecky. Her uncle is a co-owner of the New York Islanders who are playing in the NHL uh, semifinals right now. So kind of a cool uh, story about them. But uh, I, I I think those are the ones I keep an eye on. I, I love, I, you can't say it enough, I love the U.S. women's national soccer team. Like they, to me, just exude sort of the feisty American woman. And I, I love every bit of it. I, I might be one of those. And so I, I, yes. I really love that. Hmm. Um, you know, I think it's tough on the men's side. The men's swimming team is, is quite young. The men's U.S. The, the soccer team didn't uh, qualify. So we have men's basketball to look forward to. And you're going to see that. I love that you're seeing the crossover from the teams that are playing now and athletes that are playing now that are also going to be in the Olympics. And I think that is a very cool thing. You know, if I would encourage people to watch the finals just so you can recognize some of these names, uh, watch the playoffs, excuse me, so you can recognize some of these names when the Olympics start. It's, it's pretty cool to, to see that all tie together. It is. And now I, I, I'm not a know-it-all, Mike, but help me out here. What's, what's mm-hmm. that young black woman that's going to be in the track and field that, that made a name for himself in the last few weeks? What, what's her name? Sure. Shakari Richardson. Yes, Shakari Richardson. Yes, is she that we need to keep our eyes on? Well, obviously, we know. You know, I grew up watching Allison Felix mm-hmm. and girls and some of the uh, Jamaican girls, but it, it's great to have um, somebody that's the face of of track and field. Um, we haven't had an icon like that maybe since Tyson Gay. So, w- what's your thoughts on that? I I love it, and I think because she has this unique style to her. And I, I, I love that about her. It kind of reminds me her, um, sort of her iconic, um, her thing is, um, why am I blanking on his name now? The gold shoes, uh, Michael, 
the runner, I'm trying to think, sorry, the American track and field runner that always had the gold shoes. I'm blanking on his last name, I can't remember, but I just love that. I think that that is something memorable because as a as an outside fan who tunes into the Olympics, you know, obviously Summer Olympics once every four years, you you need that memorable that memorable nugget, if you will. And I mean, Allison Felix, she really made a name for herself in standing up against Nike. And while she was a great track and field athlete, she made her name outside of that and made news around herself beyond that. And so I look forward to seeing her um, create her own, now kind of create her own brand, if you will, and really step into the light because this is her chance. And so that's really cool. I, I'm really excited to see to see her race. Yeah. Your thoughts, Mike? Yeah, no, I'm definitely excited as well. She's doing her thing. She made a huge name for herself. Uh, she came. She came on the scene around the right time, right before the Olympics really start. Uh, really started up, and she's she's cooking with fumes right now. I'm I'm excited to see what she puts out there. Uh, what, what type of show she puts on? Definitely, definitely there for sure. Well, um, Amy, this is the best and favorite part of our show, um, mm-hmm. where we got to, we get to get in, dig and dive into the personal life of our guest, and not so much about sports and news and content and all that. Um, it's three simple games that we play. So one of them is a scenario-like game where we'll say this or that. You'll pick out of the two. War will go overrated or underrated. And then we started a new game a few weeks ago where we'll start a sentence and then we'll, you'll have to fill in the blank. So okay, got a it. lot of information thrown at you. Uh, <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> all right. Well, so I've noticed, all right, because I'm an observer, I noticed that you're really into the Bachelorette. So... Um, if you were a bachelor, <laughs> if you were a bachelor and you could have a handful of celebrities to pick from, who would that be? Oh, gosh, this is an interesting one. Um, <laughs> let's go with uh, David Beckham. Oh, Just, he's, he's, he's an outlier, something, someone interesting, an interesting career. Um, handful of celebrities. I'm going to go with I'm going to try to stick with athletes here. Uh, Shaq because someone needs to be tall enough to change the light bulbs. Um, and he just seems like he would be entertaining. You could have a talent show night and he would just bring it all out. Right. I think that he would be great. Um, let's finalize a third one. Um, let's go with, I'm going to go with a golfer just cause I don't know. I'm not a very good golfer and I could use some lessons. So let's go with, um, Rory McIlroy. That's who my, my son is, that is his, his namesake is, is Rory. And so um, I could get some golf lessons. I'll be entertained. I can learn how to slam dunk. And then um, I can learn a bit about soccer and entrepreneurship and business ownership um, from David Beckham. And, and Shaq has obviously got his hands into a lot of things. And so he could learn a lot from them too. Got you. I need to learn some golfing skills. I tried my first time and I failed. So. Oh, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. So that's one of my goals now at school's over is to learn to golf. So maybe when we, when we meet up, we can go have, we can go golf together. I don't know if you've ever taken some clubs and tried, but to uh, Myrtle beach and trying to swing on a real golf course. Not that easy. (laughs) Yeah. No, I don't. I mean, many to golf and little golf courses here and there, but never the real thing. Yeah. It's it's difficult. At worst, we can all meet at the 19th hole, which is the bar and have a beer together instead. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I have this. I have a this or that question for you, Amy. Would you rather be a? Would you rather write a, write an article about Kevin Durant hitting a crazy game winner, or would you rather create an audio and you know a visual perspective and, and talk about it and, and and speak about uh, uh you know LeBron going crazy or for fifty or something like that? Do you, do you rather do you like the writing or do you like talking about it? You know, it's it's actually it's really funny. I was listening, watching Sports Center this morning, and I was listening to the call uh, the the radio broadcasters did when the uh, Canadians won last night. They beat my Las Vegas, my Vegas Golden Knights, which you know breaks my heart. But I was listening to the call, and just how fast and how quick and how witty sometimes they have to be. I'd be terrified of that. Um, I don't. I'd be. I'd probably be afraid. I'd say something really inappropriate. It would be my, my greatest fear. So I would say I'd I would rather write about it um, from that perspective. I love to try to paint the picture and, and tell the story with words. I do I do love doing reporting and being on camera, but I think when it comes to something like that, I would I would love to be able to write about it. Okay. Definitely, definitely there for sure. Uh, let's, uh, 
Overrated or underrated? Having a beach house. Ooh. Oh, gosh. I feel like it depends if my beach house, if I can drive there, then I would probably use it more often and it would be great for COVID. But I would say, um, you know what? I mean, how can you over, how can a beach house be overrated? I mean, really, let's be honest. It's, <laughs> it's the beach. It's peaceful. And now that half, half of the, the world works from home, I mean, what could be worse than sitting on your deck looking at the beach and taking conference calls? Well, well, you do have a point because there are a lot of people that own beach houses and don't stay there or don't use it. So that that's that's also something to think about. But yeah, you can never go, <laughs> never go wrong with it. To, pick, to piggyback to piggyback off of that one, how would you rather a house on the hills or or living on the island? Oh, in the hills, I would. I, I we lived in Singapore for for a couple of years, and you get island fever when you can't leave. And so um, I would definitely rather be in the hills somewhere. Um, versus being on an island because I want to get out and go and okay. island fever is a real thing. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, this or that, would you rather sit on a conversation with Peyton Manning or have a discussion with Tiger Woods? Oh, Peyton Manning. I think Peyton Manning would be the most, be an entertaining dinner guest. Comedy. I, I said that's and the, I mean clearly I hear that a lot. I heard I'm here. A funny guy. I've heard that. I'm sure. here to be entertained, and I, you know, that that I, as you can obviously tell, and by and by how we cover sports, we, you know, here to be entertained, and here to to not have painful small talk, and not that Tiger would be painful small talk, but as you kind of mentioned, I don't golf, so I have really nothing exciting to to talk to him about on that perspective, and so I think that uh, Peyton would definitely be interesting. Hmm. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, nice, nice. If you could, if you could, if you could have brunch, brunch, brunch outside of Peyton Manning, if you could have brunch with four other, four others, uh, you know, I guess celebrities, who would it be? Icons. Uh, okay. Does the does the brunch involve mimosas? Of course, of course. It has to. Whatever, whatever, it's not a brunch without mimosas, right? Yeah, whatever. Right. Exactly. Put on the menu. I would say uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is on my list of people I would love to to dine with um, because I she's created such uh, her Goop brand and her she just she's kind of stuck her neck out there and created such an amazing business and talks about things that nobody talks about. So I think she would be really interesting to dine with. Um, you know, I'd like to throw somebody in there. Like, I, I'd like a one-two punch, like a Martha Stewart and a Snoop Dogg. I think they would be very entertaining to mm -hmm. to throw in there too. They've they both created these great brands, but somehow they they also work together, right? There's there. If you would have told us in 1990 that the two of them were going to be BFFs, you would um you'd probably just look at me like I was crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, that that fourth one. This is a really good mm -hmm. question. Um. I don't know. I'm blanking on who might be really interesting. Um, Katie Couric. So I, growing up, I always wanted to be Katie Couric. I watched her on the Today Show. And then I realized when I got into, to, there was only one Katie Couric and there were a lot of people in school with me. And so I, I kind of went the public relations route uh, versus the TV route. But I just really enjoy following her and seeing what she's doing and how she's reinvented herself uh, time and time again. And so I think she'd be really interesting to plug in as well. Yeah, okay. she would. Okay. With Martha Stewart and the Snoop Dogg. Yeah, Snoop Dogg, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and Snoop Dogg is an icon uh, there for sure. Um, here's here's another one here for you. Um, would you rather attend a concert or uh, attend a stand-up comedy show? Oh, that's a tough one for me. Um, I'm a huge, huge fan of concerts. Um, when I was pregnant with my son, I think we went to six concerts that summer. I am just a huge fan of live music. So I would say that would be my hands down, would, would be what I would normally pick. I love a good comedy show. I mean, laughing is clearly the best thing ever. Um, but I would probably say just because I love music so much, I would pick the, the concerts with the, with the comedy shows being definitely a close second. Do you have a favorite comedian you would like to go see? Um, so there's like some underground ones right now. I'd really love to see is Desi Banks. I don't know if you know you're you're familiar with Desi Desi Banks. I'm not, but I'm gonna have to look her up. Dave Chappelle for me. 
Oh, see, we could have put that together. He was just with the Foo Fighters at the like one of the first big concerts post COVID. What was that this week? And so we could have put two and two together and had comedy and a concert. Ah, mm. uh, okay. He's I great. See. I've I've seen him alive and he's fantastic. Yeah. You, oh, you die. He's great. <laughs> that's the guy. That's the guy right there. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. You said you're you're a music you're a music head. So uh, let's let's go here. Um, hmm. More more R and B soul or are you an R and B soul person? You know, I'm yeah. I would say I kind of listen to a little bit of everything. To be quite honest with you, one of my favorite uh, channels as of late on my Spotify is the Motown channel. Oh, okay. Okay. What's your what's your you know, what's your, old what's your, what was your favorite Motown uh, hit hit back in the day? Or, or, or like you know, group. Oh, you know, I I think probably because I grew up with it. Um, Stevie Wonder is a nice. huge. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I love a good Stevie Wonder song. Um, and I mean something probably from The Temptations as well. Okay. I I don't discriminate. I really just like it all. I, I probably don't like the really extreme like screaming hard rock. Um, yeah, but I mean, pretty much either, beyond yeah. that. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I, I, I danced for growing up for about 20 plus years. And so you learn to appreciate all kinds of music. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I, I'll take whatever you, whatever anybody gives me, you invite me to a concert. I'm like, I'm in, I don't, I don't care who it is. Let's go. If, if you had a chance to play a minor character on a role and the star of the show or the movie would be Steve Harvey or Martin, which one would you choose? Steve Harvey or Steve Martin? Oh, or Martin. Um, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, I would say probably going back to Steve Harvey. Um, mm-hmm. Back to the comedy line, you know? I think, I mean, they're both funny. I get it. But I don't know. Steve Harvey is someone I feel like you got to, you got to know throughout the, the time with his talk show. And um, you're seeing, obviously, his daughter in the news who's dating um, Michael B. Jordan. And he's on Family Feud. So I don't know. I feel like that would be that would be entertaining just to to get to know him a little bit. And and he's a Chicago guy, and I'm I'm a huge Chicago fan. And so maybe there would be we could go out after after a shooting to for some pizza. Definitely, <laughs> Al Capone. I have to try that. I have to go there. Uh, that's that's one of the <laughs> places that I have to try there for sure. Uh, this has been great. This has been very special. Um, we we want to thank you for taking time off to. Join us on our great show, um, just to enlighten us about the Olympics, um, a little bit more about what you're doing with The Last Game, and also your podcast. Um, folks, definitely listen to it, Sports Curious, available on Spotify and everywhere else. And um, just you being a brand yourself. So it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. It was has really been a lot of fun. And thank you for all the great work that you're doing, too. No doubt. No doubt, Amy. C- continue, to, continue to push the, uh, push the envelope and keep pushing forward. Thank you. You as well. I appreciate you both. Right. Definitely there for sure. We got to get some cocktails in Chicago for sure someday. Done. Uh, <laughs> all right. Awesome. Folks, do not go anywhere because when we come back, we'll wrap things up with Mike's closing arguments. The Subby Podcast. We are back here on today's show. Our third and final segment here today, Mike. Great, 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 great conversation right there with Amy. Um, she's doing some great stuff out there in Chirac. No, she definitely is. I love hearing different journalists out there doing their thing and creating different platforms for people to speak their mind and put put uh, put their truth and certain stories out there. So hats off to Amy. And, uh, you know, it was a great conversation with her. Great conversation there for sure. As you wind down today, um, other news, we have... Uh, Rick Carlisle being head coach of the Indiana Pacers. Mm. I Udoka from my beloved Boston Celtics. Hopefully that turns out to something really good. Rick Carlisle, uh, Rick Carlisle for the Pacers. We mentioned that there as well. And it seems like Jason Kidd may be the next coach for the Dallas Mavericks. I think that's a match made in heaven. One okay. great to another great pastor like Luca, I think that's going to be a fantastic transition. 
also Jason Kidd was part of a member of that 2011 title team with Dirk Nowitzki um, when they won the last title for the Dallas Mavericks. In fact, that was their first and only franchise title in team history. Um, yeah, yeah, lots of things to talk about, Mike. I'll let you take it away with your closing arguments. You know, it's definitely it's, it's definitely dope to see Rick Carlisle in Indiana. Indiana, uh, and I know watching Nate McMillan in the, in the playoffs right now feels like they definitely dropped the ball. But uh, being able to pick up the pieces and, and get a guy like Rick Carlisle, that, that that's that's huge for them, especially somebody like a Karis LeVert. I think he's going to do wonders for for somebody like him in that in the future for that ball club. But uh, my closing arguments of this, Sevy, and it has nothing to do with the coaching. Any any coaching vacancies or any coaching hires, anything. But this is my closing argument for the day. Comparisons is, are the thief of joy. And what I say this is, it stems from the fact that Scottie Pippen has some choice words about Kevin Durant and his uh his um his his performance in the last few games of his season this year, where he where he spoke about how you know, uh, Kevin Durant doesn't utilize his team uh to the full extent, and LeBron wouldn't have taken that uh that that off that that uh, off balance shot. And things like that. Uh, he doesn't have the, the 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 floor general skills and things that LeBron has. And Kevin Durant has some choice words to come back at him with. Kevin Durant brought up the, the situation that that took place when uh, when Michael Jordan wasn't on the team with the Bulls, and you know Scottie Pippen actually didn't go in the game because the play wasn't drawn up for him. You know, it, it was it was uh, it was interesting. It was it was interesting back and forth between Kevin Durant and Scottie Pippen on social media last few days. And I feel like comparisons are the thief of joy. If if Scottie Pippen never com- tried to compare uh, LeBron and KD, Kevin Durant probably wouldn't have responded. But pl- I'm starting to notice the trend that a lot of these players, especially big time superstar players, are tired of being compared to others, especially LeBron James. They're they're, they're tired. They're tired of being compared to this, then the third, because they, they want their own identity. They don't want to be labeled to somebody else. And every time you try to label these guys to somebody else, they're speaking their mind and they're speaking their truth. So comparisons to me are the, are the thief of joy. Enjoy all the all this greatness we have right here in front of us while we have it. And, um, you know, Kevin Kevin Durant spoke his mind about the Scottie Pippen situation. And you, you, you see players throughout the league and throughout other sports doing that as well. Comparisons are the thief of joy, man. Let, let's enjoy greatness while we see it and while we have it. Definitely, definitely there for sure. That's uh, the former guys and, and current guys always have beef. That's something I can never. <laughs> let's just put into bed. Pippen was great in his era, and Kevin Durant, of course, is great in this era. Right. One of the great, most gifted scorers of all time. Let's just appreciate for what it is. I think that's 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 what it got to be, right? Yep. This heavy podcast radio show. We'll see you guys next week. Hey, everyone, we're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show and frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our iTunes and Spotify. And remember, you can stay locked in here and connected. Sebupodcast.info link for the latest news, articles, interviews and much more. And remember, wherever you're listening on air or online. The Sebi Podcast is wherever you go.